Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I've got the book of Job open, and it says in chapter 37, God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on the earth, and to the rain shower, be a mighty downpour. Interesting, because he must have said that today, because right now in Minnesota, it's snowing, and uh, we've got a little bit of rain, too, so he he must have said both, because it's uh, slippery out there. So if you're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, in your vehicle, you don't need me to tell you to be careful because it's slippery out. So I saw several cars kind of off in the ditch, and I thought, it's begun, that old fun season called winter, which lasts for about the next nine or ten months here in Minnesota. So we're going to have a great show. I'm going to get things started with Rob Bluey. Of course, he's the executive editor at The Daily Signal, and he's on our studio line right now. Rob, welcome. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me, Bill. How are you feeling? <laughs> it's been quite a week since we've uh, since we last talked. Yeah, uh, lots happened uh, in, in the country and the world, and uh, we're still here, which is a good thing. I mean, we uh, we've shown just how durable our country is. No we? kidding. I was just on RealClearPolitics.com when I'm not on the Daily Signal. I go there once in a while, and they have uh, taken Pennsylvania off of the ledger for Joe Biden. So he's, according to Real Clear Politics, he's sitting at 259 electoral votes. I thought that was interesting. It is. Well, there's several media organizations that have, have not declared a winner, and that would include my own, the Daily Signal. Uh, we think that all of the votes should be counted. Uh, there's a process for doing that. Uh, just like in 2000, when we had a closely contested election, we waited until December 13th before right. uh, media outlets declared a winner. So I think that, uh, you know, as these states, uh, look, the, the thing that, that, that gets me here is I know the media is, the, the larger media uh, is, is in a rush to get things done. And uh, that's fine. It's their prerogative. We knew that this was probably going to be how they operated uh, even before we knew the results. Uh, we knew that they had a, a preferred candidate. But uh, let's face it here. There, um, there were some rules put in place by election officials in a lot of these states that allowed for ballots to continue to be counted uh, a certain number of days after after the election. These were disputes that went all the way to the Supreme Court, including in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, refused to intervene in that particular case. And so I think that it's it's only right that we let the, the process play out here. And uh, and obviously, uh, when the when it's all said and done, we should uh, acknowledge uh, uh, the winning candidate and uh, and move on. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's healthy for for our country to be in a situation where we're in perpetual turmoil or uncertainty. And uh, and I'll tell you one thing. I saw a new poll out today that uh, that showed from Politico and Morning Consult that showed that seventy uh, percent of uh, of Republican voters have have lost confidence in in free and fair elections, uh, which is a similar percentage to to the number of Democrats who felt that way after the twenty sixteen election. So hmm. you know we we have to be in a situation where you know we are 
Uh, we are a country that uh, that understands and respects the rule of law and our and our constitution. Uh, and and when um, when all is said and done here, Bill, I think we we will know definitively who, who won. Uh, there will be cer- most certainly be examples of, of voter fraud. We know that because we keep a database at the Heritage Foundation of of, of proven instances of uh, of voter fraud. Uh, whether it'll be enough to to overturn the outcome of the election, I don't know at this point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but there's no point in rushing it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about what we need to know about the litigation that's going on in Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia, and Arizona. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of it. So the the Trump campaign has decided that uh, one of its strategies will be to pursue uh, lawsuits in these cases. Uh, there are are these are the closely contested states, of course. In Pennsylvania, there's uh, there's a couple of things going on there. There's some questions about what was happening in Philadelphia, in particular, which. Uh, prior to this election has always been a hotbed of uh, of activity and suspicions about voter fraud. So uh, we uh, we're keeping a close eye on that state. Uh, Arizona still counting the ballots. Last I checked, uh, there's you know just. Um, you know, some uncertainty there about when it's going to be done. Uh, Nevada, uh, Matt Schlapp and others are, are in the state, uh, Adam Laxalt, and, and they've uh, alleged that there are some shady practices going on. So um, Georgia, you know, this is uh, Georgia. I mean, it, I, I didn't expect Georgia to be as close as it, as it turned out to be. And of course, uh, Georgia has big implications because there are two U.S. senators, uh, Kelly Loff and David Perdue, who are running for uh, for another term, and they uh, they are facing voters on in early January, and that will determine control of the U.S. Senate. So, uh, how these lawsuits play out could have profound implications not only for the short term, but I think for the long term. And my hope in all of this is that we get to a better place. There have been studies both done by by former presidents uh, Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter after the disputed 2000 election. There was another commission led by uh, Jimmy Carter and James Baker, uh, former Secretary of State after the uh, 2004 election. And those commissions made some really strong recommendations about how we could avoid the mess that we now find ourselves in. And I think if states and election officials had heeded some of those those warnings and, and embraced some of those recommendations, we might not be in the situation today where there is a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to what happened in Pennsylvania, because the attorney general and the state Supreme Court gave this ruling that allowed all these votes uh, that came in after the election stopped for them to still be counted, and they didn't have to be postmarked or or anything, and they were, uh, that got taken to a, to the Supreme Court, and Alito made some temporary decision on that, didn't he? That's right. He said you have to set aside those ballots, yes. um, so so they won't be you know, commingled with all of the other ballots, which mm-hmm. I think is I think is a smart decision because if if it, the court decides at a later date that it is not going to count those ballots and they've already been mingled together, I mean, there would be no way to to, to know the difference. Uh, there's a number of things here. I mean, first of all, we are living through a pandemic right now, and I think states were looking for ways to to ease some of the fears and ensure that people could still vote. I've heard from I've been an outspoken critic of um, of some of these uh, state decisions changing the rules, as I know my colleague Hans von Spakovsky, who you had on the show before, uh, has as well. Uh, it, 
just days before the election bill, these states were still tweaking the rules for, for how they would count votes. And as Hans has said, uh, that's like a football coach uh, coming out at halftime of the Super Bowl and saying, we're going to change the rules. You know, we're going to give fewer timeouts or, you know, more challenges or, you know, we'll, we'll do five downs instead of four, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I think that that not only confused voters, but it also confused, uh, you know, uh, the American people more broadly about you know why once why could florida tell us the results on election night right and why is pennsylvania still counting counting votes in arizona well some states allowed votes to be uh be postmarked right up until election day so if you were wanted to do a mail-in ballot and you wanted to get, have it postmarked on election day you could do that in some states in other states it had to arrive prior to election day so it could be counted on election day and i think Having a standard uh, where they're all counted by election day should be should be what we do, and that might mean might not mean you're able to use the U.S. Postal Service. You might need to drop it off at a drop box someplace on election day if you want to wait until the last minute to vote. Um, by the way, Bill, I should note that uh, in my local precinct in Virginia, we had 540 voters. I waited in a line for about 20 minutes. Everybody socially distanced themselves. It went very smoothly. I, I didn't have any fear walking in. Everybody had plexiglass all over the place. And uh, and, it, and it went just fine. And so I think that um, it can be done. And and for those Americans, no matter how you exercise your right to vote, I, I think that uh, the one th- encouraging sign coming out of this election is the amount of voter participation. It was just uh, so incredible to see so many Americans exercising their right to vote and, uh, and that get out the vote effort really did work. Mm-hmm. When I look back over history, when there was a tuberculosis outbreak in the year 1870, which affected 70 to 80 percent of the urban population, so one in five died, they made no uh, changes to the election rules. Then the flu of 1918, no changes to the election rules. And uh, one out of four died, um, 650,000 deaths. COVID-19 comes along and we have changes to the election rules. Was was (laughs) it used as a political weapon? It definitely, definitely, in some cases, it was, and there, there are those uh, who are now in a position where they, they see, um, they see an opportunity to, to not make it just a temporary change, but to make it a permanent change. And I think that that would be a mistake in some cases. Uh, particularly, again, I go back to this report, this commission report that was done by Democrat Jimmy Carter and a Republican James Baker and a, and a commission, a group of commissioners, in which they warned about mail-in balloting, and this was in two thousand and five. And they said in some states like Oregon, they've been able to perfect it in a way that's worked. But you have to account for the fact that uh, there are people who who will commit fraud. And and the fact is, it's just common sense here now. Uh, it's easier to commit fraud using mail-in ballots than it is if you actually go to the polling place and, and vote in person. Uh, there's any number of things that that could happen. We we've we've heard about ballot harvesting, where you know our operatives go out and and collect ballots. Uh, from individuals and and all sorts of things that uh, that have had an impact on our elections, and so it's uh, it's certainly something that I think we we need to to closely stutter, study. I'm hesitant to propose another blue ribbon commission because you know how these things work, Bill. They do a lot of good work, and then oftentimes it's just never implemented. I think what we need to do is we need to go back at what's the, what what these re- uh, commissions have recommended in the past and do things that are are, are pretty basic. 
uh, voter ID, having having a photo ID. I had to show my photo ID when I voted. I have to show my photo ID for a lot of other things. When I board an airplane, for instance, why shouldn't you have that same standard when you uh, when you go to vote? Uh, cleaning up the voter registration rules to make sure that there's no dead people on the rolls, as mm-hmm. we've seen the, the Trump campaign allege here. Um, so uh, those are just two of, of many examples that I think we can we can uh, take to uh, to help clean up the system. Yeah, I mean, I went to the library and tried to check out the book. Uh, and you need voter ID to check out a book at a library. Yeah, it, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, not voter uh-huh. ID. You need you need ID, some kind of ID to yes. get a library card to check out a book out of a library. Years ago, my colleague Hans von Spakovsky and I did a little bit of undercover reporting. And what we did is we went to these organizations in Washington D.C. that are opposed to uh, so any sort of voter ID. And we showed up at their office buildings and we asked uh, if we could go meet with uh, with an individual at the organization. And in each one of these organizations, we were asked to show our photo ID. So <laughs> the very old organizations that oppose uh, a photo ID for voting require a photo ID to get access to their building. So uh, the hypocrisy is, is quite rich uh, there. But I think it's just a basic it's a basic thing. Uh, and it would restore the confidence in the the election process that, uh, as I said, with that poll, it's really it's really disheartening to hear that uh, you know, over two thirds of Republicans now uh, have lost faith in the electoral process. Uh, we need to restore that. Uh, that's not a good position for our country to be in. Mm-hmm. All right, Rob, let me take a little break. When we come back, I want to ask you about the Dominion Voting Systems, which is a voting machine manufacturer founded in Canada that supplied a lot of the voting machines for up to 30 states here in the U.S., and all of them are in the uh, swing states that are in contention right now. We'll be right back. That music means it's Rob Bluey. He's my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. Always head over to dailysignal.com for the best reporting out there. Rob, let's go to Dominion Voting Systems. This is a voting machine uh, manufactured in Canada, and this equipment was used in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, all states that are swing states, and they had computer glitches. What's up with that? They sure are. Well, this is a a story that we looked into uh, on the Daily Signal, along with a lot of other things, by the way, Bill, that um, that people are are sending us a lot of questions these days and and asking us to, to try to put our investigative hats on and figure out some things. So in the case of Dominion, you're absolutely correct. Uh, there are some questions that have popped up because uh, there were some irregular, irregularities that uh, the people noticed uh, with regard to, to these systems. And uh, and you're, you're, you're right. Uh, I think that it's, it's a worthwhile <laughs> question to ask. And so Fred Lucas uh, did exactly that. Um, so the problem in Michigan was that there were there was a there's a county uh, Antrim County which is a re- Republican leaning county that uh, that Trump won in 2016 but it initially appeared to go to Biden on election day uh, but then they actually found out that um, uh, that the six thousand votes uh, that were were tabulated 
should have belonged to Trump and it flipped the county back to, to Trump's favor. So 6,000 votes in a state that was decided by a narrow margin is is, is quite a lot. Um, and even though uh, Biden is, is currently leading in, in Michigan, uh, this was a situation that I think caused a lot of people to question if it could happen in this particular county, uh, might it happen uh, anywhere else? And uh, there was another in Gwinnett County, Georgia, there was another uh, situation where there was a bad data card that, uh, that you know, really uh, wreaked havoc on, on about 4,000 uh, different ballots and some, some early, uh, person, or early in-person voting. So that's, uh, that's one factor in it. The other thing is the connection they have to the Clintons, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Uh, perhaps not surprising that, that a company would have these, these kind of political connections, but, um, but raises, uh, raises some questions. And then our good friend George Soros, who we talked about on the show before, uh, it, you know, uh, also has some, some ties to the company. So I think it's always important for, for people to, to, to know and, and raise these types of questions so they can get to the bottom of it. And, uh, and there's a lot of conspiratorial things going around. Uh, it's easy to share. And, uh, and one of the things that I think uh, news organizations have a responsibility to do is to try to track these things down. And that's one of the reasons that the Daily Signal exists to, uh, to help our readers better understand uh, the, the, the full story uh, behind some of these rumors that uh, you might see online. Robin, I find it interesting that the state of Texas rejected Dominion's voting machines twice, once in 2013 yes. and then again in 2019. They discovered that they called multiple hardware and software issues and the uh, Texas Secretary of State said, uh-uh, we're not using them. I know. And, they, don't, and, they, don't, know they don't meet the requirements set forth in the they, Texas Election Code. That's right. They were very specific about that. And, uh, and I, <laughs> it, it raises a question anytime you have technology involved. I, re- I remember there was a period of time in Virginia – uh, I'd be curious to hear what your experience is like in Minnesota. There was a period of time where we had had kind of an electronic system of voting, so there would be almost like an iPad, or it was an iPad, and you would you would go on and you would you would vote, and and it would all be di- done digitally. Uh, they've done away with that, uh, and now we have like the old Scantron system. So they give you a pen. Uh, they didn't have stickers this year at the, at the voting booth. They gave you a pen. You fill in the circles, and then you feed it through the machine, and it counts your vote. And uh, and I. You know, don't know the history in Virginia as to why they switched away from those those iPads, but I suspect that you know there was concerns that they you know could have been tampered with, and uh, and I remember the old lever system in New York when I was growing up. You know, you'd walk into the booth, you'd close the curtains, you pull down the lever, and then you you know pull the, the <laughs> handle across, and your vote would be registered, your cast. So there's all sorts of different ways to do it. I think that the most important thing here is when when the credibility of a voting system like Dominion is called into question here, I think that it uh, it's incumbent upon the company, which I should note has defended its system and said that these were, were human error and there's nothing wrong with the system. But I think that the American people are right to be skeptical about it uh, when they see problems like this arise and when states like Texas uh, have rejected them. Yeah. And then if one little county, Antrim County, reversed 6,000 ballots and they're using these machines in 47 other counties, it makes we all kind of think, well, was there was there problems in other counties? And you add all those up, and that's a significant number. It, it certainly is, absolutely. Uh, and uh, we know how how narrow the margins are in some of these these swing states, which are using the, this voting system. So again, I think it's it's right to ask some of these questions and and try to get to the bottom of what's going on. Uh, when, when an election uh, is, is this close, as it was in 2016, uh, where you know one or two states flip, and all of a sudden you have a different president. 
uh, yeah, there's uh, there's significant uh, significant concern uh, on the part of uh, many Americans, and I think that's why we need to get this right. Why I think some Republicans have said in that recent poll that they uh, they don't necessarily have the confidence in free and fair elections because mm-hmm. of of what happened. Isn't it our duty as believers and Christians to fight on behalf or fight for uh, righteousness in in earthly governments? Oh, absolutely, Bill. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I think that um, go, going back to the founding of this country, I mean, it is it is so critically important that people have confidence in uh, in, in both the, the system of uh, and the process that the system of democracy and the process in which we vote. And if if that integrity isn't there, uh, then I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, we need to we need to figure out a way to get back uh, and, and and achieve that. And so. You know, I don't have all of the answers, but we've talked about some already today. I think there are some some pretty common sense solutions that, if you ask people, would probably have widespread support. Um, I think there are very few people in this country who don't, you know, possess some form of identification where they can show. I know in their neighboring state of Maryland uh, to Virginia, you know, they didn't ask some people for any identification. Mm -hmm. There were people I know that said, "No, I'd actually prefer if you did look at my ID. It would make me feel more comfortable." Yeah. So. Uh, so let's let's see what we can do uh, over the course of the next two years before the next federal election, or in some cases just a year, because I know states are voting next next election uh, day and in uh, in twenty twenty one. And let's try to get this in a better position because we we can't have questions hanging over it. And and frankly, I, I don't know what can be done in Georgia over the course of the next couple of months before uh, they vote for for this runoff. But uh, you better believe that all eyes are going to be on that state, yeah. and, and they better get their systems in order. And, uh, and have some, some answers. Yeah. We ran a great piece, Bill. Uh, Bob McLaurin at, at the James Madison Institute in Florida talks about how Florida learned its lesson after 2000 and really cleaned up its act. Um, so I think maybe Florida is a model that we look at and we try to figure out what did they do and how can other states emulate it. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, tell us what's ahead on the uh, Biden uh, administration. What's on the seven big items on his agenda? Well, he, uh, as as you know, and your listeners know, he has uh, rolled out uh, the office of the president-elect. Uh, it is, um, uh, you know, his transition team, and he's he's operating as if he's going to be uh, sworn into office on on January twentieth, twenty twenty one. And you're absolutely right; he's got some big items that uh, that he wants to accomplish. Uh, some people have said that that wh- whoever takes the oath on January twentieth will face. Uh, you know some of the greatest challenges that our country has has ever dealt with, um, and and some of those things are obviously COVID nineteen. The pandemic is not going away. Biden mm-hmm. has already announced a, a board that will be advising him. Uh, he's got big plans for the environment and whether or not he he moves forward with things like the Green New Deal. Uh, climate change will be uh, a signature piece of his agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Health care is another thing he's referred to it as Biden care, and uh, and and that'll. Be difficult to get through a, a divided Congress, I suspect, uh, as would any sort of Green New Deal. But uh, but certainly, I would expect that his his uh, his executive branch team would look for ways to use executive orders and other means to accomplish some of that, and uh, and what they call equity. Um, and so uh, this is uh, one of the the, the big things. Um, 
that uh, that is we've seen play out on the streets of America. Uh, and there's a difference between equality and equity. Uh, and inequity, um, in some cases, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice presidential uh, candidate, uh, tweeted about this days before the election. And some people equated it to socialism for how she was describing this, where everybody basically ends up in the same spot uh, at the end of the day, which is, of course, uh, you know, we as conservatives believe in equality of opportunity. And I think that that's what we need to strive for. So we'll be keeping a close eye on Biden's agenda and we'll be keeping a close eye on these uh, final votes as they're tabulated. Yeah. And we will be praying for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And we'll be praying for our country and our government uh, going forward. And we'll be praying for everything that's going on with the uh, election as they're sorting out the ballots. Well, thank you for what you do, Bill. We appreciate you bringing the, the news uh, to, to so many listeners and keeping them informed. Oh, well, I got a whole bunch of texts from listeners that just slammed us, Rob, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Have a great day, Rob. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Bill. Rob Blue has been my guest. We'll take a little break. We'll get a chance to chat with Chris Bruno coming to us all the way from the Hawaiian Islands. Looking forward to that. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be uh, inviting Dr. Chris Bruno to the show. He's been a guest uh, several times before. And uh, the Bible says you should love thy neighbor. And I do love Chris Bruno. However, since he's moved to Hawaii, I don't like him anymore because he gets to live in Hawaii. Chris, welcome. Hey, Bill. Thank you so much for having me back. And just uh, just to note, I'm not in Hawaii yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I still like you. But you're heading there to be there for the winter, or are you moving there for good? Well, we are moving back there for good next summer, God willing, okay. is the plan. Yeah, so we're still in the Minneapolis area. Oh, but, then uh, you're, you're suffering like me then in the cold and the snow and the and the ice. Yeah, that's why I'm on uh, uh, on uh, Skype with you rather than being in studio with you. My why? wife wouldn't let me drive up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my next guest, too, is staying uh, on Skype as well. He's not coming into the studio. But uh, uh, thank you for doing the show. You know, it's been an interesting time in our country and interesting how uh, we are um, uh, kind of moving along with uh, each day. And we're all looking for strength and encouragement and we're looking for hope. And I, I always think um, I'm going to call Chris because I think he'll send some my way. Well, um, <laughs> it's not coming from me, but uh, hopefully we can look together at the at, at God's Word. Let's do it and look to Christ and find hope in Him. Yeah. Um. So, I, as I've been thinking about this uh, crazy season that we're in, um, I really don't have a strong interest in uh, coming on and talking with you about uh, the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania oh, I don't Supreme either. Court. I don't either. Or, uh, or any of those kind of yep. things. And, and not to say we shouldn't be informed on those issues and have our opinions and uh, certainly be praying about those things and seeking uh, to be faithful uh, and wise citizens. Uh, but so often when we're fixated on those things, we lose sight of, uh, of, of who the true king is and what kingdom will last forever. Um, so I've been reflecting on Psalm 2 a lot this week, 
And so when you all invited me on, I, I thought, man, it'd be nice if we could just take at least the first part of uh, our conversation, if not the whole time, to to think about Psalm 2 and think about uh, the the king who will never uh, be removed from his throne. There are no recounts. There are no, uh, you know, fraudulent elections. <laughs> For that matter, there are no votes. <laughs> right. This king rules forever. Um, so I, I don't know if it what would be the most helpful thing, but if you don't mind, maybe I'll just read through the psalm and just we, we can start talking through I'd it. I'd love to, yeah. Oh, this is great. We, yeah, so Psalm 2 begins with this question, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? So uh, the psalmist, uh, probably David, Acts, uh, I think Acts 4 says that David is the author of this psalm, is asking this question, you know, why do the nations make plans uh, to set themselves on their own thrones? The verse two says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So the, the psalmist is asking this question. He's looking at the situation where the, the kings of the nations are making plans to set up their own kingdoms. They're rebelling against the authority of the Lord and against his anointed. So I'll stop there and say, I think throughout the Psalms, this uh, reference to the Lord's anointed shows up often, at least five or six times. And uh, it's a reference to the king, right? Mm -hmm. The king is the one who's anointed. And it's ultimately pointing us to the capital K king, king of kings, as we'll see in this Psalm. So really what's going on here are these rulers of the earth are rebelling against the authority of the Lord and against the authority of the Lord Jesus. So whatever political party you're a part of, whatever way you voted last week uh, on both the national and local levels, any authority figure who's trying to separate themselves from God's authority, who thinks that they are in charge, that they are autonomous, that they are the ones who are ultimately calling the shots, are putting themselves in the same category as these wicked nations here. And, and it's not just uh, kings and senators and presidents, but it can be any of us who are resisting the authority of the Lord, thinking that we can establish our own authority, we can establish our own kingdoms, that we are the ones who are ruling, that we are the ones who are in charge. But then if we keep reading the psalm, what's the Lord's response to this? Verse 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. So it's, it's, it, it's comical. It's a joke almost. I have a four-year-old son, and uh, you know he likes to wrestle, and sometimes he'll get you know really intense, kind of gather up all of his strength and run at me and try to tackle me and knock me over. Um, and it's funny because he thinks he's really stronger than me in those moments, or he'll say I'm the strongest, or pretend to be the Incredible Hulk or something. 
and it's humorous mm-hmm. uh, to to listen to my uh, four year old <laughs> yeah. thinking that he that he he's actually stronger than his dad. But in in and I don't know what what's going on in that four year old brain. But at, at times, I, I think he, he really thinks that. He really thinks he just knocked me over, or he, he really thinks he just beat me in arm wrestling. And, and it's funny. Now, now multiply that by about infinity. <laughs> and this is the picture here, right? The nations, they're trying to resist the authority of the Lord, and it's humorous to him. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and not because their sin is funny, but because they actually think they can move the needle at all in trying to establish their own authority over and against God's authority. So I'll stop here for a second and just make the observation as we look out over not just the political sphere, but over so many areas of our nation today, I think so many people have deluded themselves into thinking that they are in charge, that they have authority, that they can actually resist the authority of the Lord to establish their own little kingdoms, whether that's their kingdom in the White House, or that's their kingdom in their business, or that's their kingdom in their house, or it's their own little kingdom in their own hearts. It's so easy for us to delude ourselves into thinking that we can cast away the authority of the Lord. But it, it's like my four-year-old thinking he can beat me in arm wrestling. Uh, not, not even It's not even that close, right? <laughs> right, um, right. We can't begin to touch the authority of the Lord. And I think so often we delude ourselves into thinking that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just to continue in the psalm, um, verse 5, the Lord's response is not simply laughing or derision, but it gets more serious. Mm-hmm. Verse five, he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. So th- this isn't just my four-year-old thinking he can beat me in arm wrestling. This is actually treason against the high king of the universe. So thinking we can establish our own authority is not simply deluding ourselves, but it's committing sin against God. It's committing treason against the Lord, and it's worthy of judgment in his wrath. And the contrast to that, the contrast to, to our own attempts to establish our, our authority, are found in ver- it's found in verse 6. As for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Mm-hmm. So, You think that you might be the king, but let me tell you who the true king is. It's the one who the Lord has set on Zion, the one who he has enthroned. We can, we see more of this in verse seven. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. So where else do we hear the Lord speak those words? You are my son. I think uh, if we go to the Gospels in uh, Matthew chapter 3, at Jesus' baptism, we hear God say something similar. The Father says, you are my beloved son in, in whom I am well pleased. So this is the Father 
proclaiming the identity of the Son, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, so, again, I, I said earlier, the anointed one refers to Jesus, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so this confirms it here. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, is the true king. Uh, he has been given the ends of the earth as, as his possession. So I think that points us to the end of Matthew's gospel, when Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So Jesus rules over all things. So if we look at the contrast here between verses 1 through 5, uh, we have the nations and the peoples trying to resist the authority of the Lord. But verses 6 through 9 tell us who the true king is. Mm -hmm. It's the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus. So uh, those are the options on the table. So if you want to talk about politics. I don't. um, (laughs) Yeah, neither do I. But I think think you might like like the direction I'll talk about politics. Um, We have two, two options at the end of the day, two political options. Either we try to be king or we submit to Jesus as king. In uh, no matter who you vote for, no matter what party you're a part of, no matter uh, if you voted for President Trump, uh, Vice President Biden, Kanye West, or on down the ballot, um, if you're not submitting yourself to the authority of the, the true king, the Lord Jesus, then you have made the wrong political choice. That is uh, a good point, Chris. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I mean, I talk yeah. about I talk about politics thirty minutes a week on the show Tuesdays yeah. with uh, Rob Bluey, who's the executive editor of um, the Daily Signal, and you know, it's that's that's all. I just get my update from Rob because he's a good guy, but um, and he picks the topics, and so I try to follow the lead of the topics that he picks, and so I kind of let him direct the, the discussion um, and. You know, for the most part, he's done great research, but it, you know, there's been, there's been fallout. I just, I'm just getting uh, blasted by listeners uh, right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and That's I, okay. I, I do, certainly don't want to talk. Uh, what I just said about politics about, is about as far as I'll go <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. in this conversation. There's more to be said about Psalm 2 and about the true king. Um. And I'm not sure what time we have to break, but I can I can just keep walking us through this yeah. song. Let let me take a break right now because it's a good time to break, and then we'll come back and we'll pick it up from there. Sound good? Okay, sounds good. Yeah, Dr. Chris yep. Bruno is my guest. We'll be right back. So glad to have Dr. Chris Bruno. Uh, he's a professor and author and all-around great guy. And on his way to move to Hawaii, which is uh, the smartest thing I've heard him say in a long time. But we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about Psalm chapter two today, with a lot to learn out of that powerful psalm. If you've not read it, let me uh, remind you: it's a great uh, psalm. It's uh, right after Psalm one, and uh, 
before Psalm 3. It's really easy to find if you open your Bible. <laughs> Don't you find that uh, that's a particularly easy psalm to find? You know, it is. Yeah, it's right right at the beginning there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I remember when I when I was a kid, uh, my Sunday school teacher told me, you know, just flap your Bible open right in the middle, and you're going to be in the <laughs> Psalms. Yeah. And so just do that, and then page back to Psalm two, and spend a few minutes meditating on it today. All right. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah. Um, so uh, let let me get a, get us a little bit of a running start by saying. Last night, I was on a Zoom call with uh, pastors and church leaders uh, throughout the Pacific Islands. So the ministry that I'm going to do in Hawaii is going to be uh, based in Hawaii, but we're trying to uh, do theological training all throughout the Pacific Islands. And we had uh, brothers on this call from nine different time zones, uh, which uh, it was kind of wild. It, it was it was a lot of fun. We had uh, you know people on uh, both Monday and Tuesday doing the Zoom call uh, spread all over the world. And as I was talking with these brothers and praying with them, I, I was reminded um, of how much unity I have with them as part of God's kingdom, that, you know, we're, we're separated by thousands of miles, by nine different time zones, by cultural differences, by all kinds of differences. But at the end of the day, we're united in Christ. So while I think I think on those nine different time zones, there were maybe seven or eight different countries represented. Oh, wow. Um, all the way from Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Tonga. American Samoa, Western Samoa, United States, I'm forgetting some, I'm sure. Um, but we, we were all citizens of uh, one kingdom. We were all uh, subjects of one king. And so uh, that was a good reminder to me. And it was, it was really exciting, uh, just as we think about our future ministry and what the Lord might have us doing with, with some of these brothers. But just the reminder that uh, you know, while we might be American, uh, Australian, Tongan, etc., at the end of the day, um, we are united in Christ, and we are following the Anointed One, the True King. So that, that's uh, all, all that to say. You know, we have this contrast here between the kings of the earth and the nations, who are resisting the authority of the Lord and of the true king. And then we have those who submit themselves to the true king. So that, that is the great divide in our nation, in our world. Are we submitting ourselves to the true king, or are we resisting his authority, trying to cast away his cords from us, that is to, to set ourselves free from him, but that, that's just an, an illusion. I think we can do that. Mm. So uh, verse uh, 10, verses 8, 8, 8 and 9 show us the authority of the king. That's where we were, what were you talking about, I, I think, before we went to break, that this king, uh, the Lord Jesus, is the one to whom all authority has been given. So uh, it, it might seem for a moment that we can resist his authority. It, it might seem for a moment that the kings of this earth 
can operate independently of him and uh, establish their own uh, rule, their own authority. But uh, at the end of the day, verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is intense language. That is very intense, Chris. This is judgment. Yeah, right? so yeah. Th- those, those who are resisting the authority of the Lord Jesus um, will be judged. So, uh, it, you know, it, it reminds me of Paul's language in Philippians 2, that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And when he says every knee will bow, he means every knee will bow. The question is, will you bow submissively as a subject of the king, or will you bow in uh, terror of his judgment? And, and that's, that's where the psalm goes in the last part. Um, now, therefore, so this is an inference from the rest of the psalm. When, when we come across the word, therefore, we look to see what, what has been said previously to mm-hmm. connect the author's argument, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, in light of what I've said, that there are two options on the table, either try to be the king yourself and face judgment or uh, recognize who the true king is. Therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I love, what, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so if we're talking about true wisdom uh, in ruling, uh, true wisdom in exercising authority, it's recognizing first and foremost the authority of the Lord Jesus. So, and then I go on to uh, verse 11, Chris, which I love, and I'd love for you to talk about this. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Yeah, so um, being wise, submitting to him, means that we serve the Lord, we follow him, we submit to him with fear, and we, uh, the translation you read says, uh, celebrate his rule with trembling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the NIV. That's NIV. Now the, yeah, I'm reading out the ESV that says rejoice with trembling. So okay. not, not much difference there, right? Yep. Uh, the, the NIV actually might get at the sense a little better because it's a particular celebration and rejoicing in his authority. So it's not just uh, rejoicing in some abstract way, but it's particularly rejoicing or celebrating his authority with, with trembling. So we, we, we're holding those two things in tension, that we're, we're rejoicing or celebrating, but there's this, this trembling in that we recognize the great authority of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. And so verse 12, the last part of the psalm says, kiss the sun. So, you know, the, the picture is, you know, you're you're bowing to him. The idea of kissing the ring—that's mm-hmm. uh, the same kind of sense we have here. So submit to his authority. You know, when, when uh, on the Godfather or something, when they they kiss the Godfather's ring, that's a way of submitting to his authority, recognizing who's in charge. Exactly. Same picture. Same. 
Okay. Same basic picture. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. That'll be easy to remember. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just be careful. Uh, you know, Don Corleone and, uh, <laughs> is, yeah. it, it, is not the same as Jesus. <laughs> um, right. But the, the idea is you recognize who is in charge, who calls the shots. Uh, lest, uh, so submit to him, recognize his authority, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Again, going back to this judgment for his wrath is quickly kindled. He, he will not abide those who resist his authority, who continue to push back against him. And then the psalm ends, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. This, this I love is that. We, yeah. We have to run because, uh, like we've talked about, there are all these pictures of, of wrath, judgment. There's in some pretty intense ways breaking them, dashing to pieces, perishing in the way. His wrath is quickly kindled. So we, we have all these intense pictures of judgment, but the psalm doesn't end there, it holds out hope to all who are listening, a hope of blessing by taking refuge in him. So th this whole psalm is a call to the kings of the earth. It's a call to all of us to submit to the authority of the son. And it's a call to all of us, for all of us to be reminded that wherever we may be, wherever we may stand, uh, you know, in this life, no matter how much authority we have or don't have or think we have, no matter how many times we have resisted the authority of Jesus, that invitation still stands for all of us, mm -hmm. that we can take refuge in him, that we can run to him, that we can find blessing in him. So, you know, during the last eight months, or however long we've been in this COVID season, um, feels like the last 10 years in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, but during the, these last months, um, many people have been looking for refuge. Yes, they have. Many people have been looking for shelter yep. or rest. Yep. I, I've been looking for it, but uh, true rest is found in him. Amen. Chris Bruno, you're awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to be with me today. I've needed a, a dose of you and your wisdom on Psalm 2, so thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's always a joy to be with you. Thank you so much. I, I believe you mean that. I appreciate that. Have a good rest of the day. You too, Bill. All Great right. to talk to you. Yep. Dr. Chris Bruno has been my guest. We'll take a short break and be back with Hour 2. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.